Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. A lot of protein in chicken. That's what I'm, I'm having right protein. now. A little protein high. Kind of fired up. Let's go to the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Michael Felder joins us. He can appreciate a great chicken sandwich. You can make a. I guarantee you he could make one. I've heard. I've heard him. Talk about that smoker he has. Talk about food. He, mm-hmm. he could he could he could he could get one going. Can you remember your best chicken sandwich ever, Michael? Oh man, um, see, I'm I'm a thigh guy, you know. So I like to do. I like to take my like. What's the best part of fried chicken, right? What's the best part? The crust, right? The <laughs> You use a boneless, skinless <laughs> chicken breast. You're not. You don't. I feel like you just don't get as much. Like you want the skin, and the breading is all trying to simulate the skin. So what I do is I usually go with a a thigh, e bone, skin on, and then that's how I do them. So that, to me, that I think that's probably your best chicken sandwich you're going to get is the one that's a thigh with the skin on, fried nice and hard the way that we all like it, and you get that one done. So that's the best. I think that's the best I've done. Obviously, you guys are rolling in the deep right now with some good fry, with some good with some good chicken sandwiches. But that's the way that I like to do it. Yeah, that was just pure good smoked chicken breast we just had. Fried is oh, that's great. But you don't go fried. I, I love like, a fried, smoked fried, chicken sandwich. Fried, can't go wrong. If you fry it or smoke it, you got you got it. You, you can't go wrong. Top of the world. Yeah, I tell you what, we were on top of the world last week when Nick Saban was going at it back and forth with Jimbo Fisher, man. That was just, I mean, for May, that, that's beautiful for talk radio and sports guys. That was, that, that was awesome for a couple of days, Michael. And I know you appreciated it, too. Yeah, it is one of those things where, and I, I did a little bit of writing about it for um, the Bolton, but it is one of those things where they basically washed out the Pac-12. And that's the way that I kind of am starting to view these things. Manufactured incidents to keep the spotlight on, whether it's college football itself or on the SEC specifically, which is what this is. And so basically what we had was a moment where Deion Sanders, Nick Saban, and Jimbo Fisher all got to be the headline when the pack with, with nothing happened. Nothing changed. There's nothing, nothing different. But they were the headline. And the Pac-12 decided – we're not going to do divisions anymore, and this is how we're going to run our championship. And they got completely washed out. That's the way I started to look at things a little bit more because you can see the new cycle working and the buzz and the discussion and who gets the headlines and who gets the spotlight. The Pac-12 had like a quick, and then like, oh, this is good. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, everybody's going to be talking about Nick, Jimbo, and Dion. The NFL is very good at that. And maybe the SEC is taking a page out of the NFL's book to where it is year-round you're talking about us. Yeah, I I think that's exactly the nail on the head. I think both the NFL and the NBA have done a remarkable job of setting up a blueprint for staying in the zeitgeist, staying in the discussion. And I definitely think college football as a whole has been trying to copy that model, uh, both with schedule releases, well, you know, like schedule releases, obviously the, the transfer portal, the discussion surrounding NIL, the discussion surrounding rule changes or rule proposals, but the SEC seems to be the league that's the best at it. Like nobody's talking about right now that the fact that the Big Ten is, they're on the cusp in the next year or two of getting a billion dollars a year. Nobody's talking about it because they're not as good 
as the SEC is about putting everything they have out on front street. And so, yeah, I, I absolutely think that the SEC is following that NFL and NBA model. You think about it, we respect because you missed the NFL, and obviously the NFL has the schedule release date. Then they have the they, – like where they pair the divisions. Then they have another schedule release date, which is when they tell you the day the games are actually happening. And then they have free agency and they have the draft and they have all these things. And for college football, especially with the weird conflict that signing day has now, and I still don't think anybody's figured out signing day because it used to just be right after the Super Bowl you'd deal with signing day. Now you've got to deal with it while the NFL is getting ready to get ramping up for the playoff race and getting ready to go into the playoffs. And so it's a little bit tougher to push that. So they're finding ways to, 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 to build momentum or build interest in, the, in, in different areas or different times, different parts of the calendar. But I, I think the SEC is doing the best at it. And, yes, it's because they just won a national championship. Yes, it's because they just had so many players get picked in the draft. Yes, it's because so many guys are both transferring in and transferring out of the SEC. But they're doing a really good job of it. Whereas, like for me, like, let me ask you this. You guys know who Jordan Addison is? Nope. No. USC wide receiver yeah. now? No, oh, Pittsburgh. Thank you. Oh. See the Pittsburgh kid. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Yeah. And yeah. one of the best wide receivers in the ACC just transferred from Pitt because Kenny Pickett left to USC. And it is under everyone's radar because the SEC is still able to kind of control the conversation. And it is a testament to what they're able to do. I guarantee you if he'd have transferred to uh, Alabama or Auburn or LSU, I'd have known who he was. Yeah, and that's exa- exactly. Bingo. You know who Jaden Hazelwood is. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, did you who find – not as productive. <laughs> yeah. Not as productive no. as Jordan has. No. Did you find yourself leaning more towards uh, Team Saban or Team Jimbo during their little squabble? I think the big thing, I, I, I'm leaning towards Saban, and I was talking to my buddy Roddy Jones, who's with the ACC Network, and we were talking about it, and, and the big thing is, like, Nick Saban, he just wants, like, rules and control, and that's a big part of it. And then Jimbo comes in, and obviously he's a narcissist, and yada, yada, yada. You're, you're a college football coach. You think most of these guys are narcissists. So that's, that, he's not different. He's just better than other people. But I think the underlying thing with Nick Saban, and we see this consistently, is he's like, listen, if you want to unleash the dogs, my guys are going to run your guys down. I'm just, I'm better at this than you've ever been. And I think that, like, it's what is it, the wire, right? You come for the king, you better not miss. Mm. <laughs> he was missed every single time so far. Well, and Saban, when this first started, the first words out of his mouth was he was bragging about his quarterback going to make a million dollars, wasn't he? Wasn't that like day one of – Yeah, like in last July, August. Yeah, after I mean, it was like yeah. day yeah. one of when this was in its it's still in its infancy, but when it just started, he was like, yeah, I'm a lot – you know, my guy's going to make a million. I mean, what – I mean, it's just kind of hypocritical to me, but – he got he got what he wanted. He got he got Jimbo riled up. So you know, I love it today. No, I, I, Go I, ahead, Michael. I I agree. I agree. I think the big thing for me is Nick Saban is he's. I don't think he has a problem with it all. I think he's upset that obviously the whole Dion thing, but I also think that they've got some sort of a backdoor deal. Um, honestly, 
that help keep, like they do commercials together. We know that they are friendly. Um, so I think that's an interesting element to this all with respect to Deion Sanders and Jackson State. With Jimbo, I think that there is a frustration of, you guys aren't even good, and how is this happening? <laughs> but I also think Saban is right. Like, if you want him to, like, it's, it's like a guy that drives a Ferrari around doing the speed limit, and you beat him in a, some sort of a drag race because he's trying to do, you know, trying to be nice. And then all of a sudden, if he revs it up, you're out of, you're, he's going to blow you out of the water. And I think that's the thing that I don't think Jimbo thinks about or recognizes. I think that's also why I'm like looking at Saban thinking, what, what does he mean by this? Because it, it, most of what he says sounds like a, more of a warning than a grievance. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. To, next week, the uh, ADs will be down in Destin. Uh, the SEC ADs will be down in Destin for uh, their meetings. And one of the things that's going to be talked about is the future schedule, the conference schedule of the mm-hmm. SEC in football. And there are two, uh, I think it was SI.com had a story out yesterday. It looks like there are two scenarios that, the, that they've come down to. One is an eight-game SEC conference schedule. You'll have one permanent opponent every single year and seven rotating opponents every year. Then the other scenario is a nine-game SEC schedule with three permanent opponents and six rotating opponents. Which one do you like? Well, I, I like the nine and three. You tell me. You guys are the ones that are in SEC country. What do you like? Would you rather have I mean, the three permanent? If So if the rotating seven, I mean, that's a – a difference, kind of a different seven. It's not going to be the same seven that, I mean, you're going to have seven in, seven out, seven in, seven out, so that you're playing. Well, okay. you would go home and home with that seven, one year home, one, uh, you and know, vice versa. Two years. and then seven more would come in. I, I Look, we tried to come up with the yesterday, Christian and I, and a lot of the listeners, if every team had one permanent opponent, who it would be. That's the problem. That yeah, is the yeah, problem. Exactly. You can't. Alabama-Auburn, but then you got Alabama-Tennessee that have played for you. Exactly. Auburn-Georgia, Auburn-Alabama. Uh, so the, Georgia, I don't – Exactly. I don't know if you can have just one common opponent because of all these rivalries and uh, what it means for so many of these universities to play another school every single year. So I think they have to go three and six. The problem right. I never thought of and, and and how do they deal with this in the other leagues where so they go nine games? Pod, right? That's no, no pods. No They're pod. going to go just like the Pac-12, ACC. It's going to be one conference, okay. Okay. one through four, 16 with Texas and Oklahoma come in. My issue, well, how yeah. do you deal with the four and five, nine-game conference schedule? One year you got four home games and five road games. That sucks. You got, you're at a disadvantage. Next year, of course, you got five home games and four. So someone's always going to be, or half the teams are always going to have this short end of the stick. Yeah, and someone's always going to be aggrieved, and I think that's going to be, I think that might be the best way to do it so that you know that at least next year it's not going to be our problem. But the other part of it is is non-conference scheduling. I know I talked to um, Mike Kelly, who works at USF now, but he used to be part of scheduling uh, for ACC headquarters. And he said what we try to do with our – because they were doing eight-game schedules at that point. I think this was pre-adding in the last couple teams to the ACC uh, when they were still at 12. But the reality for him was he's like, we give our teams a wide berth when it comes to scheduling non-conference, and then we kind of build the schedule around that. And, 
yes, we want to have permanent dates. But listen, I, I went to UNC. We just played Wake Forest in a non-conference game because we weren't UNC wasn't going to see them for another few years, and it was it was cheaper to, to, to do that and play a real team than it was to to, to to schedule somebody else for a bonus play game. So I think it's going to be interesting how it works. I think the nine with three permanents works because we get to Alabama, Auburn, we get to Alabama, Tennessee, and then we get to whether it's Alabama, LSU, or whatever. We get to those three games, right? We get to Arkansas and A&M. We get to Arkansas and LSU. We get to Arkansas and whether it's Alabama, or Auburn, whichever one you guys want more, that's the one. I think the same thing works. Georgia, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, and you get Georgia, Tennessee. That works. Those things, you keep those intact, and then you can build from from outside. And I think that's the interesting part that there's so many moving pieces in scheduling that I don't think a lot of folks realize it's very hard. But if you have, whether it's through divisions or it's through this pod system or it's through three guarantees, you have to have a base to start from. Because otherwise, it is total chaos. And if your base is just, you can't, you can't, you, you can't build a, a house on one leg. You got to have at least a tripod, right? Mm-hmm. And so, at least the three would give them some sort of a tripod to build something on top of. And that's the part that I look at. It's the same reason why the Big Ten likes to stick in divisions, because you know, six of those games are for sure. We'll deal with the other three down the road, but these six are for sure. I've been uh, I've made up my mind. I think that's the right route to go. Go three and six. Move on to a nine game conference schedule and uh, have at least three permanent opponents every single year. You you, you got to yeah. do that. You got to do. Michael, we got to go. Hey, it was a great conversation. Good, good talking a little college football with you. Thank you. It's always good. You guys take it easy. And chicken sandwiches. And chicken, no doubt. <laughs>